Hello, friends. Well, hello once again, my friends. How's everybody doing today? I hope that you're all happy today. And if you're not, then I hope I can help make you a little bit happier today. I'm LD Madera. This is the Improv and Magic Podcast, and I am very happy that you're here. I know I'm using the word happy a lot today, but that's because I'm happy about today's guest, who is one of the happiest people that I know. My guest today is my friend, Michelle Castro. Michelle is a fellow cast member, director, and instructor at my home theater, Just the Funny, in Miami. She's an amazing improviser, a talented comedian, and a very passionate dancer. She performs regularly at Just the Funny and has also performed with some amazing improv teams, such as the incredible woman trio, Clutch. Michelle is someone who is warm, friendly, and very loving, and when she takes the stage, she turns into a tour de force of talent. In today's episode, Michelle and I sit down and talk about her journey. She shares how entertaining has always been within her, and how she keeps growing and developing her skills. You will be happy to hear from this happy, happy person. There's that word again. So I'm happy to share with you now my conversation with this incredible artist, my friend, Michelle Castro. Friends, I'm joined now by one of my good friends here at Just the Funny. She's absolutely amazing. She's a superstar. She's Michelle Castro. Hey, Michelle, how you doing? Hi, LD. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you, and I appreciate you being with us right now. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. You have been really busy lately. Like in the last <laughs> few years, I've been yeah. I've been seeing you do like so many different things. What's that been like for you? It's funny because I was talking about this literally with Rebecca the other night. We are constantly go go go. A lot of it is for um, comedy, acting, stand up, this, the theater rehearsal. Uh, but life has been crazy. But it's it's fun. Um, I feel weird when I'm not doing anything. You know, you're kind of like, oh, I want a day to do nothing. And then that day comes and you're like, why am I doing nothing? <laughs> um, it's been great, though. I love having a busy schedule with things that I enjoy doing. So if it's anything creative, like the theater, the shows, the plays, I'm I'm all for it. And I want more of it, actually. So I don't know that I'll be slowing down. <laughs> I, I've spoken to a lot of people who have this mentality. Do you see yourself as someone who just has to keep doing things that just can't like just stop and just relax do you feel like you just have to keep creating otherwise you'd go crazy so I feel like growing up I was taught that if you're not productive in your day the day went to waste you know mm. um, I would enjoy sleeping in very very much when I was younger um and maybe that's just stuck with me where it's like, yeah, I need to be creating. And there's going to be seasons where you're not. Uh, COVID was that season for me where I wasn't involved in anything, actually, creatively, comedy-wise. I didn't wasn't doing stand-up. I wasn't doing the Zoom shows that were happening. Um, I actually got very consumed with work at that time, uh, which was interesting. Um, 
but yeah, there's going to be seasons I think where we're not creating, but I think no matter what, I have to be creating. Whatever it may be, I have to be creative. So, so you didn't jump on the whole Zoom bandwagon during COVID time? I did not. And sometimes I wish I did. Sometimes I wish I would have given it a chance, but I was so against it from the beginning. I was really? like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I just feel like, um, especially with improv, it's an in-person experience and it's just you feed off of the energy of your castmates, the energy of the audience, you know, just all the excitement and the chaos that's in the room. So I don't know what it was like. I can't even talk about that time. But yeah, I didn't even give it a chance. So sometimes I wish I would have just to say I did it and I tried it. Uh, but the perfectionist in me did not allow me to do that. <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I agree with you. Like, I did do the whole Zoom thing for a while. And mm-hmm. there was a while where we at JTF, we were doing Zoom shows. But after a while, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I remember watching a couple of festivals that were doing everything through Zoom and through other online platforms. And it was just driving me crazy to the point where the last zoom festival that i did Mm -hmm. i actually put the camera to the back of my office so i so you could get my entire room and i actually just stood up and moved around okay because i just i everyone's different but i can't do improv just sitting in a chair and and looking at a camera yeah yeah i yeah i would agree so that was an interesting approach that you took was it different for you when you did that did you enjoy it at that point or you were still like yeah no uh i had mixed feelings about it i mean I know I wasn't the only one that did that, but, uh, you know, I'm the type where, you know me, I have to just move around, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, if I'm doing a scene that involves a character sitting in a chair, that's one thing. But if you confine me to just one small place, I'm just going to lose it. I I have to move, you know? I have to do something. And, you know, there's only so much improv I can take online. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the real the real magic of it is when you're in the room mm-hmm. as it's happening. Yeah. You know, even if you watch, like, a YouTube uh, show, you know, yeah, you see that there was an audience there and they enjoyed it, but it's still not exactly the same. Yeah. It's kind of like watching a child being born. It's so different when you're there and it's happening right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Improv show, child being born. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, the two make a good correlation, don't they? For sure. Improv and childbirth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, where did you grow up and what was growing up like for you? So I was born, I'll give you a very detailed where I was born, Hialeah Hospital. Um, but I was raised and lived my whole life in Kendall. So I'm a Kendall girly. Um, growing up was, uh, I had a great childhood growing up. I have one sister, uh, we're very, very close and, you know, I had both of my parents active in my life, uh, but live with my mom growing up for the majority and, um, yeah, you know, went to, went to school, had an education. Um, my mom would try to get me into, uh, different classes of like guitar lessons, piano lessons, singing lessons, and sports and um sometimes I think I was too young to appreciate those things because I would give up very very quickly and I was like I I think again the perfectionist in me was like I'm not good at this now I'm not doing this ever um I wish I could go back and change that but that's okay um yeah growing up uh, I growing up was smooth sailing for me (laughs) to be honest yeah I can't tell you of anything that was like you know very average childhood (laughs) yeah so it sounds like you did a lot when you were a kid yeah um 
I would say some of it against your will. Some of it against my will, but my mom was always supportive in that way where she was like, you're not interested. You don't want. Okay, fine. She would listen when I was like, I don't want to do this. Um, I would say the only art form that I would always do privately or like perform in front of my family was to dance. I think that was like my first I fell in love with this and I love it so much and it was a great way to express myself but also now that I'm older looking back it was also a way for me to play a character you know as I'm dancing to a song becoming this persona of of the song so um I would perform in front of my family and I would make them watch me dance uh and they would do it they would watch me dance and so they were like all right enough is enough <laughs> you know <laughs> um but yeah I definitely she signed me up for guitar lessons piano she bought me a keyboard at some point and I taught myself how to play twinkle twinkle little star and that was about it um, now I'm like, I wish I knew how to play guitar. I wish I knew how to play piano, the drums. I love, I love anything that's musical, but also, as you can see, that's comedy and acting. I, I love it all. Anything that's entertaining. Yeah. I also regret not taking up an instrument when I, when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. I do have this wish that I had learned either guitar or mm-hmm. piano or definitely drums. I... I love the drums, and this has happened as I've gotten older, because I did not have this when I was younger, and, like, I'll just see people playing, and it just seems so cool, like, that's the word, cool, and when they're going in, and I'm like, that's gotta be an amazing, it's gotta feel, you've gotta have an adrenaline rush, I would think, after playing the drums, specifically, so I'm with you on that, I would love to learn how to play the drums. Yeah, I love percussionists so much, I mean, the idea of just hitting something, and you know, it, it just hits your soul in such a huge way. I've mm-hmm. I've always loved the drums so much. I'm also a really big fan of Blue Man Group. Okay. And so much of what they do is percussion. Okay. And but they do it in a way where it's like it's also artistic at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you know, drums to me are just, in my opinion, the most electrifying part of any orchestra. Yes. Yeah. Actually, now that you say that. Um, in middle school, when we had electives, uh, I was put by accident into orchestra. And again, I wish I would have. <laughs> but I immediately was like, why was I given orchestra? Like, who who is in the orchestra? You know, that middle school mentality. I want to be cool for school, and we're not at all. Right, I'll do this if my friends are doing exactly. this. Exactly. And yeah. I remember I was like, I need to get out of this immediately. And uh, one of my friends, before I was out, I remember we were leaving for class, and she was like, have fun at Dorchestra. And I was like, oh. oh God. <laughs> so, yeah, I unfortunately, again, being a kid, you, you care about what people think. Um, yeah, I wish I would have, you know, that could have been a blessing in disguise. And I was like, get me out of here. So, yeah, I'm with you. Well, I'm curious, why were you not into all those all those other things? I mean, dance, you said it really resonated with you, but what about... All the other things. Why Why didn't they really uh, do anything for you at the time? I feel like, and I can only speak for myself, I just don't think I knew what it was to work hard for something. Hmm. You know, in school, when you have, like, um, the, the guys that play the football or basketball or the girls around the dancing, it seems as if they've got it you know they're a natural they they do this all the time they're great they're on the team they don't work for it they don't practice 
I don't know where I was at in my head, where I was, I think I just felt like, if I'm not good at this, why why, why am I doing this? Yeah, after the first try, that's it. You're Basically, done. which is a horrible bar to have <laughs> for myself. Um, but I have to think that it was that, because, like I say, I look back and I'm like, dang, I slept. <laughs> I slept on a <laughs> lot of opportunities. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, also, dance was the one thing I would do in private. Um, where you didn't really have to, you know, if it, if you moved and you felt it, that that's dancing, right? So maybe technically I wasn't a dancer, but to myself, I was. That's how I expressed myself, and I thought I was pretty good. So yeah, <laughs> that's I, I, I remember. I don't remember this director's name, but there was a director, and she said she was a director of actors, and she would also direct dancers as well. Okay. And one thing she said was, "God, I wish I remember her name." She said that, why do I always believe dancers, but I never believe actors? Hmm. And when she thought about that, she realized that dancers tell more of the truth than actors. Because your body does not lie. Mm. Come on. That's good. <laughs> That's yeah. good. It's true. I mean, yeah, I can think about certain moments in my life if I'm going through something and I play music. And it could either be music that is exactly what I'm going through in my life or the complete opposite and I think yeah if you're just moving and you let your body express itself yeah who are you to say like what it's feeling is wrong or right yeah yeah uh how would you say you were like as a kid as a kid I would definitely say um so let's go back to school days in school I was I would be shy I would, I'm going to say right now, I would be shy, but ironically, I would also be the class clown once I got comfortable. Oh, really? Like, once I would start making friends. Yeah. Like, I remember I was in this class, and um, we, my friend and I would get in trouble all the time, because I was just, I'm the jokester, you know, and once you get people laughing, you know, you want to be liked. It's this need to be liked, I I would think. Um, You want to keep it going. Um, But I was a pretty good kid. Um, wasn't, uh, the, the best student, hated homework, hated having to study. The times I would study didn't do so well on tests. So I'm very like, I'm a hands-on learner. Teach me. Don't like, don't give me a book and, and study. It's, it's not going to happen for me. Um, as far as at home, I was a pretty good kid. I was better, <laughs> better <laughs> behaved than my sister, uh, most of the time. And, um, people would always say I was mature for my age. Really? Yeah, that's what they would say. How so? Just the way I guess um, I would be, you know, like people tend to say I have an old soul. I'm not sure if I, I mean, you know me. I don't know if you would say that, but. Well, I didn't know you when you were a child. (laughs) You didn't know me when I was a child. Uh, You didn't, but you know me now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to me, your your soul matches your age, so I I don't have anything to compare it to. I mean that in a good way, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, people would, that's the one thing I would get. You're mature for your age. Hmm. I don't know. So they would tell me. Yeah. What was it like being the class clown? And I always ask this question of people who tell me they were class clowns because mm-hmm. I was never that. I was always the one that wanted to be the class clown but wasn't as good as the other class clowns. So what was what was that experience like of being the class clown? <laughs> um, for me, personally, it would be fun <laughs> because it's like... You're, you're just, it, it, if I'm going to compare it to something, you don't, it would almost be like how it is now when you're hanging out with the cast. Mm-hmm. You're just, there's a certain way when comedians and theater people come alike that we are and how we hang out and how we interact with each other in public. And I think I already kind of had that in me when I would just 
interact like that with friends or students in the class and just crack jokes and 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 get a reaction you know because not everybody is going to get a reaction but people would laugh at my stuff so that would feel good i think i would feel very good about it (laughs) (laughs) you know this is a dumb question but i'm going to ask it anyway what techniques did you have into being a class clown You got me thinking over here, LD. Well, because I'm just so curious. Because I, when I was a kid, I, mm-hmm. I tried it and I always did it wrong. So I'm just curious what what the what the secret sauce is to that. Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> Why would you say you would do it wrong? My experience was that there would be the class clown, okay. and every time he would do something, he would really score, and everyone would love it. And then, like his buddy would jump in and add to the class clownery. And he and he or she would do something, and that would really score. Then I would try to jump in and just complete silence, and everyone would be like, "What? What the hell was that?" You know. So I I never got to achieve um, any sort of recognition as a class clown. I I always looked like the odd man out, which has been such a such a common thing for me to always be the odd man out. That's why I asked because I'm so curious about it. Interesting. You know, it kind of reminds me of, like, when they tell us, don't try to be funny. Mm-hmm. And then we try to be funny in it. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. All I can think is I just I just reacted. I was in the moment. And, you know, it's not like you're on fire all the time. You know, it's like right. you just feel it. And I guess I would just pick and choose my moments. And the moments I chose, they landed well for me, <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> because... That was about all I was bringing to my class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've always been okay with just being yourself and presenting yourself as yourself towards everyone. And I definitely see that continuing today. Was that always something important for you to always be yourself? If I could tell younger me that, I would say be nothing but yourself. But I think... Um, I'm not going to say I haven't thought, like, you know, especially with school, middle school and high school, you see the the cool kids, right? Like, who are the popular people? How are they? Like, well, what are they doing that's making them popular? I don't, you know, I had my friends, but I wouldn't say I was in that category, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when you compare yourself to other people. Um, I definitely was not telling myself to be myself, though. That's for sure. And, really? Yeah. I think it's easy to want to compare yourself and be like, well, how can I be like that person? And I'm the older sibling, so it's not like I had, an, you know, someone to look up to in that sense of like, oh, I want to be like that person. You're probably comparing yourself to people that are your age in school, and you have no idea also how they are outside of those walls, you know? So I'm glad that I'm myself today, even though... <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I'm a lot, (laughs) but people love me for it. So I'm okay with that. (laughs) You know, during my time, well, during our time, I think most kids went through that. They're always trying to be like someone else. Do you think that still continues to this day? Do you think that kids still try to be like everybody else? Yeah, I think even now with social media, mm. that's just... Because I didn't have that in middle school. I didn't have social media like that, where it's like everybody's just putting their life on there and they think everything is, is great. God, but can you imagine if we had TikTok I, during our time? I can't. Honestly, I can't. It's it's crazy to see the, the Gen Z right now because um, the internet's just completely, literally taken over. Um, but I would say that that's definitely still happening. I mean, you've got, 
you know, girls, boys that look up to these celebrities and obviously they're performers, they're artists. And sometimes it goes to an extreme of like, you're an example for these kids. It's like, but they're adults, you know, like they, no one's asking for them to be that. Um, but also we're probably looking for that validation and like, how can I be like this person? So, um, yeah, that's definitely still a thing, if not worse today. I'm very thankful I didn't have social media growing up in school. Yeah, for sure. I am too. And and I think for me, because of TikTok and Instagram mm-hmm. and all this other social media stuff, I think the big problem for me is when we see these kids that are trying to emulate these other people, yeah. you lose a sense of originality. Yes. Because like, you know, pick your favorite artist, like, you know, Bad Bunny, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's like a huge superstar. Mm-hmm. Well, now look how many people are like Bad Bunny lookalikes. Yes. You know? Yes. It's so interesting, right? Like, now that he's obviously this popular star, like you just said, there's all these lookalikes. But before him, it was like, not cool, probably to right. to dress the way that he was dressing, you yeah. know. But now, now it's a it's a vibe. So yeah. Well, once one person does it, and makes a million dollars for it. Now everybody wants to do it. There you go. You know. Yeah. And it's funny. It's that's actually been going on in magic for years. Actually, uh-huh. one person gets famous doing magic a certain way. Mm-hmm. Now everyone else wants to do it that way. So unbelievable. Yeah. So a question that I always like to ask everybody mm-hmm. is about the plan that they had for their lives and what they saw themselves doing. So when you were a kid and getting into high school, what did you see Michelle doing when she was older? It's so funny. My dad would ask me that all the time. My dad didn't go to college, so he was very big on pushing my sister and I to go to college. And he would always ask me, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? And I, my response for the longest time was, I don't know. I don't know. He would ask me, do you want to help people? Do you want to be a nurse? And I'd be like, no. Do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to... He wanted... And I get that. You know, as a parent, you want nothing but the best of the best for your kids. So they're thinking doctor, dentist, lawyer. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, no, definitely not. I know it's not that. Um, As I started to get a little bit older, all I can know for sure was I wanted something in entertainment. That was what... Because my thing is I love everything. I love music. I love writing. I love comedy. I love uh, theater. I love plays. I love sketches. I love baking. I love, you know, singing. Like, I love uh, everything that's creative. So I'm like, how do I... (laughs) I felt like for a long time, you could only be one thing. And I, I, that wasn't okay for me. I was like, Mm -hmm. no, I want to be able to do it all. So at some point I was like, entertainment. But I didn't know what type of entertainment I didn't do any of that in high school I never did drama I never did theater so I was just like yeah entertainment. I would have figured you'd, do, you'd done drama in high school again so many things I would change uh <laughs> you know I would have definitely done drama growing up I think if I'm gonna be honest I think I was too concerned about what people would think mm. that's because I could have chosen it but it's like, costumes, plays, acting, characters? Is that cool? What are people going to think? And I, I think I allowed that to take over. If I I'm going to be honest. Because what? why not? I mean, I'm doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely did not know for the longest time what I wanted to do. I started college, chose business administration. Because <laughs> I'm like, I still don't know. I just know I want to entertain 
that's all I know. And then I quickly realized that it wasn't for me. Um, I went again more for my, for my parents, but I was like, this is not for me. So I stopped. I found myself my first job and basically it was like, I'm going to work myself up the corporate ladder. That's what I thought I wanted at the time. And I did that for a long time until I found just the funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was your first job? I'm, I'm curious what, what your first job was. Part-time sales associate at DSW, Designer Shoe Warehouse. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> One of my friend's dad worked there, so he was able to get me that job. So it was like my first, oh my God, I have a job. It was, I remember my first paycheck was $90. <laughs> I was like, how? <laughs> yeah, that was my first job. I was there for six months, and then that's when I went to, like, the, you know, more of, like, a corporate, like, office job, nine to five, Monday through Friday, and was in that for almost ten years until I was like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. you, you'd had enough of that. I'd had, had enough. enough of that, yeah. yeah. So you found Just the Funny. You yes. found us in what year was this? I actually did the math the other day. I was 24 years old. So, what year? Right now, I can't do that math. But I was 24. I'm 31 right now. Do you want to do the math? I'm horrible at math. Let's see here. It's 2023, right? Uh-huh. Minus... Is it... Wait. 31 minus 24 would be seven years. So, 2023 minus seven. So, 2016. That's way more math than I ever want to do. <laughs> yeah. All um, right, so 2016, yeah. and I'm curious, for not being sure of what you wanted to do yeah. as far as uh, artistic, what made you decide to join Just the Funny? My mom, actually. Um, I don't know why I think at this time I was either, I had just, like, I was either in between jobs at this point, but I know that there was suddenly, like, more time on my hands. And my mom, my mom's always loved comedy. She's always loved, you know, just stand-up comedy. If, if you can make her laugh, that to her is, like, genius comedy. I love it. Um, and I remember she would always say that, you know, I could make her laugh. Like, that was one thing. I could always make my mom laugh, cackle, crack up. I love it. So just out of the blue, she asked me, like, are, would you be interested in doing some sort of comedy class? She hadn't found anything yet. And I'm like, yeah. I'd be interested, sure. And then she did her homework. She went on the Google. And Just the Funny, I think, was literally the first thing that came up. And um, we didn't really know what improv was, but it was comedy. So she was like, here's a comedy class. And she signed me up. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I signed up without even seeing a show. I had never been here. I was like, let's do it. And... Uh, I did my first class. You know what? We didn't have to do all that math. August 2017. That is... Imp I don't know why I had a brain fart when you asked me that. That's when I had my first class. August 2017. Anyway, I came to my well, first class. I'm glad class. we figured that out. We figured it out. Thank you. Uh, I had my first class. It was a big group of us, too. It was, like, maybe 16 of us. I remember, like, it was a really big group. And a lot of us kept going until level five. Um, and I got out and my mom immediately was like, call me when you're done. And I <laughs> called her and she was like, how was it? And I was like, I loved it. And so she was very excited and it's been in a great way downhill <laughs> since then. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, what was it about the class that really appealed to you when you were doing it? Like, what made you love it so much when you dove right into it? So, you know how in the first class they have you do that two-minute performance? Yeah. Where everybody's, like, super scared? Yeah. I remember I was, like, blacking out, but, you know, like, I did it. And I remember it was, like, the one thing that... Like, this class, I didn't just walk out. You know, like, it was a seven-week thing. It was paid for. Can't just quit, Michelle, after one lesson. And I, if I'm going to be honest, I have to think it was just the fact that I was performing. I had never really performed on a stage in front of people that way. I've danced for my family. I've done talent shows at school. Yes. But this was different. This was... Also, I guess since I didn't know anything about improv and I'm learning all these quote-unquote rules about improv, it was like a challenge that I enjoyed. A challenge that I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. Um, So I think that's just what I enjoyed. The fact that I was challenged in a way, but it didn't feel so... um, It wasn't a negative thing, and I I didn't run away from it. And obviously the friends that I met you know, one of them is still my best friend to this day. So, uh, definitely the people and just the fact that I was, I, I found performance, I think is what made me love it so much from the first class. So you found your, your calling. Definitely found my calling from that for sure. Or it found me, I would say at 24 years old. So, yeah. I'm trying to remember if I ever had you as a student. You did. You had me for two levels. Did I? Yes. So it was you and Tom Neal that were my teachers, my only two. I had you for level two, and then I had you for level five. Oh, okay. Yes. I remember level two. Not crazy about that level. (laughs) But you made it a lot of fun. So I definitely had fun in that class. I actually came across uh, the clips of that student show a couple weeks ago, and I was like, man, what a time. (laughs) Um, My sister was actually, uh, we did Love Machine with the characters and my sister was actually the guest audience that went up on stage oh really yeah and I was I remember being like I remember in that moment I was backstage and I was like LD doesn't know that that's my sister but I do (laughs) um and that was great so that was a lot of fun so you eventually uh joined the cast after you finished taking all those classes I did were you nervous when you were auditioning for us I was very nervous I remember um my audition was with Henry, actually. With like, Henry? With really? Henry. Like, our scene was together. It was with Henry. I don't remember at all what it was about, but I know I was um, happy to be paired with Henry, even though we didn't really do classes together. I think we did the Harold class together. And uh, I remember it being a fun scene. Like, I had fun, and I didn't leave there... Not saying I had it, but I also didn't lean there like, oh my god, you know, like I was just like, if it happens, it happens, mm-hmm. and that'll be great. Um, but yeah, it's a little nerve wracking when you see all the instructors and the directors lined up in the back tables. Um, but I had fun. I remember that. I definitely had fun doing the audition, and it went by very, very quickly. It always does. Yes, it's like, and it's done. Yeah, <laughs> even for directors watching it, it goes by super, super fast. It does, yeah, for sure. And so, once you join the cast, you've really started to develop yourself as a performer. So, in what ways do you feel like you have grown as a performer in your time at Just the Funny? So, one of my biggest things was, um, and I still do, but I'm learning from it, over-talking. 
is something that I would do all the time in a scene. And I realized in my life, because improv will bleed <laughs> into your life. Yeah. Um, or cutting people off. I remember the first time I caught myself doing that outside of the theater. And I was like, oh my God, improv bleeds into your life. <laughs> and I'm so conscious about it now. Uh, not to say I don't do it, but I'm mindful to not do it. So definitely, as far as like a technical thing, I would say with that... Um, I also have let go of, like, what people are going to think. I mean, I think we're always going to be, like, what are people thinking? But when you are playing pretend on stage with other adults for people that paid to watch this, Mm -hmm. you're like, I don't really care what anybody's thinking. Like, I'm here with my people. We're going to have a great time. Um, Is it hard to, to be able to do that, though? Because you and I, we've seen a lot of people who... They still have that fear of, well, what's the audience going to think? What's the audience going to think? For you, was that sort of a difficult thing to be able to just not worry so much about how the audience is going to perceive this? Um, I definitely um, would love for the audience to get what's happening. You know, like, people have this perception of improv, and then they see our shows, and then I've had people be like, I didn't know what improv was. I saw your show amazing or I thought it was going to be really bad amazing and it's like okay great and um so I want the audience to obviously know what's happening and get what's happening but it's really beautiful when they come in maybe with like no expectation or like this is going to be crap and then we we blow them away you know and it's like so sometimes I think let's not care because our art and what we do is going to speak for itself and that's going to be so much louder than what we can say this is going to be or what they're going to see. Um, but obviously there is a point where I do care what the audience sees and that they think it was a good show. But at the end of the day, I'm like, this is the only time you're ever going to see exactly what you just yeah. saw. So yeah, really you don't, don't you don't want to care too much. You can't care too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to worry about winning them over because you've already won. They're yeah. there. They already paid the money. Right. 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 Actually, it's funny that you say that. Um, we were performing in Nashville for the Improv Festival. Mm-hmm. It was Rebecca and myself with Oscar. And um, I remember being so mindful at the top of that set that no one here knows who we are. Really? Yeah, in the sense that, like, you know, because they buy their tickets by the block. So... They didn't go specifically just to see us. There's uh, a block of four performers. I get what you're saying. And we're yeah. the last group. And I remember, like, we have to win this crowd over. Like, it's not something that, like, what you just said, when we're here, we don't really have to think about that because eh, you paid to come see the show. You know, we, we've been here. Yeah. Uh, you might see some friendly faces. But now being in this city where nobody knows who we are, it can get intimidating, but you have to let that go immediately. Like, uh, I can't get lost in that thought right now. But yeah, that was like very, very uh, clear for me. I was like, no one knows who we are. We really have to make sure we're doing, let's do what we do, basically. Yeah. So that they can love us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. I think when it comes to festivals, it's sort of a different mentality because yeah. you know that your audience is going to be predominantly other people that do what you do. Right. So there's a sort of sense of having to, and I've fallen into this myself. You know, the sense of, well, now I got to prove to all these other improvisers that I do belong in this festival. Right. Do you feel that pressure from from peers to really show that you're just as good as they are? Mm. That's a good question. 
I don't think I've had that thought before. So when I go into a festival, I'm more like, I get to see people that I know are great that I don't get to see because they don't live in Miami. Um, and hopefully meet new people that are also talented that don't live in Miami. And hopefully people will love what they saw that came from Miami when they're not from Miami. Um, no, I don't think I'm too conscious about hoping that my peers think <laughs> I'm good <laughs> enough. That might change after this conversation. Um, no, I don't usually have that. Yeah, I, I know when I, the first couple of times I did festivals that were not Miami Improv Festival, mm-hmm. I did put a lot of pressure on myself. But after a while, I kind of learned to kind of just let that go. You know, because I think what we do is so subjective. You're either going to like it or you're not. But, hey, if you didn't like it, it's not my fault and it's not your fault either. Right. You know, it's just it is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. So one of the things that's also been really great about you is that in your time here at Just the Funny, I've also seen you try some of the other different improv flavors because Mm -hmm. I've seen you also do musical improv and I've seen you do some sketch and I think I've even seen you, have you done the the hip hop show as well? I did the hip hop class and I definitely did shows at that time after graduating, have not done it basically since, since after COVID. So, um, I, I would love to get back into it, but I, that, I think that style, uh, clearly you can hear it like it terrifies me a little bit um especially when you see people like david hepburn jared you know date even david christopher when they you when you guys drop these bars basically and it's like how like and again practice you know practice practice it's not gonna come perfect all the time or naturally to you the practice so definitely something i would love to get into just because again that musical part of me i i love that um i do love musical improv i i love it so much and sometimes my own inner thoughts want to take over because i'm not a technical singer but i love musical improv so much what is it about it that you enjoy so much well, I think the singer in me, she finally gets to, she gets to come alive. <laughs> you know, it's no longer, I'm in the, I'm in the bathroom. I'm on stage. I'm singing. <laughs> the stage is your bathroom. The now. stage is my bathroom. So when I allow myself to, to go there, it, it really is amazing. And it's great when like you or David are like, don't worry about sounding good. Just go for it. Mm-hmm. Just sing. And that's when it's like, it'll click. And I'm like, you're right. Yeah. I, I think what scares people from doing musical improv is mm-hmm. they feel like they have to be a good singer. Yeah. And from doing this as long as you and I have been doing it, we've seen that that's not necessarily uh, the case. David would say, feel free to ugly sing. Yes. And that makes me feel good because I feel like when I remind myself of that, it also allows me to play with my voice in maybe weird ways that I would do in private that I'm like, I can't do this in front of people. But with musical improv, you can. And when you're told, like, ugly saying, go for it, it's like, okay, here we go. Uh, So, yeah, I love that note, actually, and I need it all the time, but I do love that note. Yeah, well, you and I had a musical improv show a couple of months ago. It was you, me, and, and Carlos. Yes. And I remember I was directing, and I kind of made you 
I decided to do something different with it since it was just the three of us. And I yeah. decided to make you like the main person of the show. And it wasn't so much of a narrative, but I remember I gave you the note, just freaking go for it. Mm-hmm. And that night you really went for it. And I remember afterwards you having this very euphoric feeling of, wow, I freaking went for it. Do you yeah, remember that? I do. That was such a fun show. Um, specifically in the show, one of my favorite moments, probably one of the dumbest moments, was you and I in the hair salon. I oh, think, yes. And we were just riffing. Like, I don't even know what, but we were just riffing. We were saying girl. Girl! That's what it was! You we were just riffing the word girl, and that... And no other word was said other than girl. That was it. And, like, all the notes were hit. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> Any way that you can sing it, it was yeah, said. Yeah, and we probably even invented some notes, too. <laughs> Definitely, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the audience, like, really being on our side during that scene. They were. They were so supportive. That was yeah. so nice. <laughs> yeah. And, and going back to what we were talking about, it was one of those moments where the audience had no clue what was going on. Yeah. But, boy, did they enjoy that. Yes. Yes, they did. Yeah, it's wonderful when you don't understand what this is, but you're just so drawn to it anyway. Yes, I would agree. And and that's, I think that's the, the, the part for me, which is probably why I don't love short form. I respect it. But like for me, long form and very specifically two person scenes. I'm a traditional, give me a duo. Let's be up there for 15, 20 minutes and let's see what happens. Because so much can happen and when like you just said when the audience doesn't know but they're there for it and then they experience it and it's like that'll probably never happen again exactly how it just happened so yeah i really do love that it's it's magical it really is it really is so you're one of many people i've talked to who said that they're not too fond of short form Mm -hmm. and i'm just curious as to why I think there's been moments where I've done short form that I felt a little, a little hacky. Mm. And, and I don't want this to be hacky. I don't want this to be uh, the moment. I want this to be a powerful moment. Right. And yeah, you could have, I don't know that I've seen it done or maybe done to the way that I would want it, but short form is more for like, the the I feel and I could be totally wrong is more for like the the bit like the joke you know the quick uh, the quick idea the quick gesture and then it's over um, it's short form with long form you could get lost lost in the sauce of all the emotions that want to come in and I like the dramatics when you want to be dramatic and improv I'll never forget I think I was a student at this point. And I might have already been bartending at the theater. Um, It was a Thursday night show. It was a duo between David and Marlene in the spotlight. And it was a very serious scene. And I remember being so captivated. Like, from, I think even from the lighting. And they immediately got off the stage and they did the scene within the audience. Like, one was by the sound booth, one was by the door. And I was just so locked into this scene and it was an amazing, like, that's what I want to do. Like, that was so amazing. And I'll never forget one of my stu- my one of my classmates at that time was like, but that wasn't even funny. And I was like, you don't get it. Like, you don't get it. It's not about it being funny. Like, did you not feel what they were feeling? Like, right, I think right. they were, like, on the verge of divorce or whatever. And it's like, that can't really happen in short form. 
and again, I could be wrong. Maybe someone's doing it. Um, and that just might be the reason why I just don't prefer it. I want, I want the freedom of just time and two people, basically. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a lot of legitimacy in what you're saying because, yes, short form can at times feel a bit hacky. Yeah. As you said. And, you know, I think one of the big curses of our theater is our name. Yes. You know, in fact, <laughs> David Christopher will be the first person to tell you I hate our name, and he's one of the founders. Uh, but in his defense, he's not the one that coined the name. We've had this name for 24, going on 25 years now, so mm-hmm. why change it now? But, I mean, it's a good name that gets people in the door. Yeah. But then again, do you find that audiences are surprised to see that there's something different than, hey, we're going to make you laugh? I would hope so, because, yeah, uh, with a name like that, you think everything is going to just be, again, funny. And I actually have to tell that to my students sometimes, especially when you're teaching with the sign behind you (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. just the funny, Uh, specifically for level three, uh, where we're like, "Don't, don't worry about it being funny. And I think all of us are guilty of like, well, we want this to land, we want you know, the audience to laugh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm guilty of that because you're hearing a reaction and you're like, okay, this is going well. But when we get reactions like, or, ooh, like when it's, that also is like, ooh, I've got them. You know, they're invested in this moment. They're paying attention. They're not just, you know, roaring laughter or jumping on the laugh because the audience is laughing. No, they're, they're in it when they're, gasping or they're murmuring or they're talking. I love when I hear them like, oh, did you see that she did this? Oh, yeah. did you? And yeah. it's like, oh, they're they're in this. Like, we, we've got them. So let's let's keep them there. So um, I would hope that they're surprised in a, in a positive way. Like, oh, like they get experimental here. If that's what they want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always, I have to tell myself too, like when you're watching a comedy film, you're not laughing the whole two hours of the movie. Right. There are ups and downs of the movie. There's comical relief. You know, there's all these things that we could totally do in our show. Um, but I'm also grateful that we also do break out of that and we'll do things like fever pitch or, you know, more of double play where it's like, let's, let's get, let's get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> How do you normally approach a scene? Let's say that you're doing what you described a two person, 20 minute scene when the scene begins, how do you approach it? So, I will say before I would be guilty with there needing to be a conflict in the scene. Because, you know, you feel like you get a reaction out of people. Um, but I live by I live by this quote from ULD, just dare to be lovely. And I tell that to my students. I'm like, LD says, dare to be <laughs> lovely. There doesn't need to be conflict. You could totally be happy with this person that you're with in the scene. You could like this person. So I, I definitely um, had to teach myself that as I was going through classes and performing more. Now I'm a lover of like a slow, even silent start. Mm. Like, let's just, let's literally build together from, and I know the rule is like, we're in the middle of something, which is, but I also love the idea of like, let's just start Let's just start. Let's see what's going to happen. I've grown very comfortable with sitting in the silence. I think before I would be like, oh, there can't be silence. I'm very okay with it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. And I love when I can play with someone that's also very okay with that. Because now it's like, ooh, okay, something's going to happen here. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, 
And also, I want to, I hope that when I'm approaching a scene, I'm not being the person that's always initiating, you know, or hogging. I want my partner to also come out and what, what, you know, let, let me follow you. Let me support you because I can be very guilty of leading and I don't want to be a scene hog. <laughs> <laughs> I love a scene that's silent. I, yeah. I adore silence so much and I love the ability to just dare to be lovely and mm-hmm. I want to give credit where credit is due. That quote comes from uh, Dave Rosowski, but that quote has never left me, and mm-hmm. I've applied it so much. Do you find that it's very easy to do a scene that's about conflict and fighting and things like that? And when, you, when you're when you in that, what are some things that you kind of do that kind of get you out of that? If I catch myself doing it, I, I will just pivot my emotion, and I'm like become softer Michelle like because I I will I I know in in real life and I'm assuming in performance I can be aggressive and you know I can get very passionate and excited which will allow me to be like you know talking non-stop and I won't let anybody come in so if that's what's happening I'm like let's let's drop this for a sec let's get a little softer Let's, you know, let's, everything is okay. And then try to go more to like an emotional place because at the end of the day, it's, it's the emotions. It's the emotions that matter. If you care about what's happening, if you care about how your scene partner feels, then that's where I'm like, let me go there. Let me go to the root of what is happening here and not just making this like a bickering situation. So you're very connected to your emotions when you're in a scene, it sounds like. Yes. Yes. I think it's very important. And, um, you need it. You need it to, to be able to go there, right? Like, if I say I love, you know, two-person scenes and going there, you got to be connected with your emotions, for sure. Because without that, it's just two people talking back and forth. Yeah. And <laughs> that, that gets old very quickly. <laughs> you also teach here. I do. And you've really developed yourself very well as an instructor. Thank you. When you're teaching students, do you find that that's a hard thing to teach them to when they get to level three which mm-hmm. is our emotions class that's usually the big eye-opener for a mm-hmm. lot of students yes do you find that it's kind of hard to help students understand that they need to be grounded with their emotions and not try to do some sort of wacky out there scene mm, it's definitely challenging uh so i've recently had two back-to-back level threes and the first level three I taught their level one, so I already had some history with them. But they were also a, a group, like, as a whole, that was willing to go there. So it, for my first level three, it was, the like, the, the easiest, breeziest experience because they were willing to go there. And, man, there were some beautiful moments in, in that class. Um, like there were moments that people would have tears where like you could hear a pin drop and everybody was so supported and, and supportive of what everybody was doing. And it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Like I was like, oh, who, who doesn't love like as a teacher, who wouldn't love this? You're, you're seeing them grow and, and, and experience it and they're enjoying it and they're realizing like, yeah, you need emotions. And then I had another level three where they weren't as willing to go there and that's when I was like oh okay so this is where it's going to be a little challenging for me where like how can I get them to want to go there because yeah it's scary it's scary to be like you need to be vulnerable it's very scary (laughs) you gotta be emotional you know even though you're playing a character come from a real place like it's it's a lot of like 
but wait, how do why? And after doing level two, which they're learning 25 short form games of like, ha ha ha. And now being like, um, it's definitely a shift. Um, but I, I have to be honest with them. Like, um, like I was with my last class, a lot of, a lot of these students, when they sign up, as you know, not everybody is pursuing uh, an acting or a comedy career. Right. You've got lawyers, you've got teachers, you've got corporate, you know, they're just like, oh, I did this to like for better public speaking or to meet new people, which is beautiful. But with all that said, we're still at a theater and we're still going to put on a show in six weeks. So, you know, there are these things that you do need to learn and hopefully apply um, when it comes to your performance. So I'm definitely a... uh, I think I'm the type of teacher where I, I will push you in the deep end if you trust me to help you then keep swimming, right? Like, I'm going to push you, but then I'm, I'm there. I'm there with you. But also, if, if you don't want to do that, I'm going to respect that and find mm-hmm. a different way to be like, okay, let's try it this way. So um, it's definitely challenging to try to get people into their emotions. Also, we don't know what... I don't know what they're like outside of these walls, I don't know what people are dealing with, so I also don't want to ever over-push someone, um, but I h- hope that I make it a safe space, and that they know, like, this is a place to explore ourselves and our creative side, and you might surprise yourself. You might get in this emotional state and realize, you know what, that felt really good. Um, so yeah, it can be challenging, but with this last level three, even though it was a little challenging, man, they came through for their show. They, they came out and they, they, they gave all the emotions that they could have ever wanted. And I, I always say like, I know I sound like a broken record player, but vulnerability, emotions, like that's probably the most important thing you'll ever need. So challenging, but I love it. I've, I've grown to love it so much. Yeah. It's always tricky to help students get there because like you said, you don't know what they're like outside this theater. Mm -hmm. And you know, you don't know also what's going to trigger somebody also. Right. So you kind of have to, it's almost like walking a tightrope in a sense. Yeah. You know, you want to push your students to go there, but at the same time, you don't want to push them so much over the edge that they're just losing it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Have you had experiences where that's been the challenge, where you've kind of had to push but not push too hard? Yeah. Definitely with this last level three. Really? <laughs> yeah. And and it's not that it's a bad thing. Um, it's just... Since I had literally a level three to compare it to, it made me realize, okay, this is not going to be, every class is going to be different. So I had one class where all 12 were willing to go there. They did it. Beautiful. And then I had one class that was like, eh, I don't know that I want to go there like that. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. Um, but it helps me, hopefully as a teacher, to be able to know how to, okay, maneuver differently for different students but still be encouraging, but also still push you because I believe in you and you're talented and you can totally do this and you signed up for level three. So <laughs> let's, let's make sure we're, we're also pushing ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge, but I have grown to love teaching a lot more than I thought that I would really specifically for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was about to ask what has teaching done for you? So teaching for me, um, it's funny because when I first said I was going to start teaching, some people were like, oh, it's going to help you be a better improviser. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, I would love that. And I remember it's funny because when you are the person watching 
I don't want to say it's easy, but it, it's easier to, to see the things that, oh, I could have done this like this, or I would have edited here, or maybe I would have gone with this emotion, or, you know, there's this game. And there, obviously, as a teacher, you see that. And then I would compare to the moments when, like, now I was performing, and, and I would, like, completely be missing something. And I'm like, what what, what is happening? <laughs> like, I'm waiting <laughs> for me to be even better. Like, what is happening? Um, but I think with time, um, it's going to actually happen i think with editing i'm hoping that that's where it's helping me because i would be so scared to edit before um because you know you're like i want to edit it at the right time or at the right button or what if the audience didn't see everything and it's like no, no, no. when it's time to edit you go yeah um so definitely being a teacher helps with that because not only are you editing in all the classes when they're doing their scenes you're editing their show up until level five i think so that's a lot of editing <laughs> and knowing like, and that was this, give yeah, it up for them. Yeah. So yeah, I think with editing and, um, being, making sure I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent present because I can get distracted very easily. And if you miss something, you know, so I'm just hoping that that's where it's going to help too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it does help with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love teaching. I started teaching in, I want to say 2009 and I never thought I would ever be a good teacher because who am I to teach anybody anything? Mm-hmm. But now I feel like I, I can't live without it. And I feel like, and I don't know if this has been your experience, but every single class I teach, no matter how many times I've taught these same classes, I always learn something new every single time. Okay. Has that been your experience? You want to give me an example? Well, I'll give you a great example. I remember it was teaching a class that I got a better understanding of yes and. Because I remember I used to teach yes and the way a lot of people tend to teach yes and, where you can only say yes and. And I would tell my students, the one word you must never say is no. No is a horrible word. I think I would even go as far to say that no is a curse word in improv. (laughs) I, I actually did that, and I apologized profusely. And I remember watching this one scene. I'll never forget it. It was these two women. Mm -hmm. And it was a scene about a mom taking her daughter shopping in a mall. Okay. The woman playing the mother is saying, oh, Sally, look at this blouse. Wouldn't you love to be in this blouse? And because I drilled this whole idea of never say no, never say no, the the woman that was playing the daughter was just saying yes to everything. Oh, yes, I would like that blouse. Oh, and what about this skirt? Wouldn't you look so lovely? Oh, yes, I, I would look lovely in that in that skirt how about these shoes don't you don't you love these pink shoes honey yes i would love those and as i'm watching it i'm thinking to myself something's not right Uh and so i actually stopped the scene Mm -hmm. and told the person playing the daughter you know what i want you to go ahead and say no and let's see what happens Mm -hmm. and so the scene continued and it completely changed the tone of the scene and it became wouldn't you look wouldn't you love to wear these shoes no mom i don't want to wear those shoes i'm tired of you picking my clothes mm. i'm tired of you trying to control my life mm. and i said to myself aha mm-hmm. i think i got a better understanding of what yes and means it means okay. never deny but it doesn't mean we can't honor what we're feeling. So I've since done away with saying never say no, never say no. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell everyone a lot of times no is yes and in disguise. Mm. It's funny because so this is where like when we're obviously on the cast, and we've been doing this for for years at this point. But then you're teaching, for example, like a level one. Right. 
that's kind of the rule to teach them. Like, don't deny, don't say no. But then when they reach, like, level three, we're almost kind of like, okay, everything that you learned, <laughs> we're going to shake it up a little bit. Because, yeah. like, for example, questions. You know, that's very big, no questions, no questions. I am more like, if you're going to ask a question, are you also providing information in this question? Mm, yes. Because if you're going to provide information, I'll take that. Because then we're going to see where this is going. But if it's just like, how are you? Or what what are you doing? Oh, love that one. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, okay. What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so, but if you're coming in with details and an emotion behind this question, hey, let's, let's see that scene run. Um, so I think... I don't know that I would say I've had an epiphany of, like, things that I'm learning. Maybe I'm definitely seeing a style of of playing that I might do as a cast member today that I will probably tell a student, like, this is okay mm-hmm. if you're willing to go there and you're going to provide information. Um, but there's a reason why we also say don't ask questions or there's a reason why we also say don't say no because when they're little improv babies, there's these habits where, um, what are you doing? Eating. (laughs) And then, and then that's the scene, right? So it's like, no, (laughs) let's provide detail. Let's, let's build a picture. Let's, you you could do so much with, with details, with details, 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 details. I love the details. Um, so yeah, I don't know that I answered your question. Uh, I don't know that I've walked out of a class or a cycle where I'm like, this is what I've learned. But I'm definitely keeping note of there's rules and there's no rules at the same time. Mm-hmm. Literally, I think Mark has said that. Like, there are rules and there are no rules. And you have to... I don't know if it's like know when to apply which rule, but you, you got to know that there's rules and there's no rules. Yeah. Like, I know it's very contradicting, but that's improv. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? well, I, well, it's funny how, you know, I've noticed how the improv world kind of goes through various stages Mm -hmm. you know as as a community as a whole like i remember in the beginning so much emphasis was put on short form Mm -hmm. then time goes on and now it's more about long form and now i also see this new transition where now we're kind of wanting to move away from rules more often Mm because i remember there was a time where it's all about rules you got to get who what where we got to know who you are we got to know where this is taking place and blah 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 and and all that stuff that you know, for me, it just gets me way too much into my head and causes mm-hmm. me to start doing math. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like now, because of people like Mick Napier and David Rosowski, we're seeing kind of this shift to moving away from the rules, you know. And we're learning that the rules, they're a way, they're not the way. Would you yes, agree with that? I would agree with that 100%. Yes, they're definitely a way, but there's also other ways that we can definitely play and 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 still have an amazing scene that has all those things that we're probably saying in the back of our head it needs to have, but the details will come. I'm, like, not concerned about that at all. And and really, you know, to be realistic, who in the audience is really going to be concerned where your scene is taking place? Right. Again, going back to what we were talking about, the audience has no idea what this is. They just want to be entertained. They don't want to feel like we're checking off boxes here because they don't know what the boxes are. Yeah, that's true. For sure. They're definitely not asking who's in this scene, where are they, what is happening. How long have they known each other? Yeah. You know, all, all <laughs> yeah. that stuff. Yeah. I feel like in your time at Just the Funny, it really has opened 
your creative side so much because I see you yeah. doing so much not just here but elsewhere. I know you have your wonderful trio clutch that you yes. do with KC and, and Rebecca. You recently did a play where you were outside and I saw <laughs> clips where you were just walking around outside with a snake wrapped around you. Yes. <laughs> and I, I you were also you also did some dancing for a while as as well, didn't yes, you? Yes, yes. So I definitely have um I wish I could have the time to just do everything all the time when I want. But yeah, there's been seasons like where I would be taking dance classes, you know, several times a week at a studio. But then uh, I think it was more once I got into the cast and this became more of like my, I kind of like, you know, you don't have time for everything. And then especially when you work and you've got family, you know, you got to like balance. Um, but dance will always be my, that's more of like my private outlet. Mm-hmm. You know, like here, this is, this is a creative outlet for me, but this, this is not like a, um, I don't do this if I'm emotional. I don't know how to explain it, but like for dance, if I'm going through something, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm dancing. Right. I'm creating in a different way. It's um, more for you. It's more for me. I mean, I think when I was growing up, I, that's like what I also thought I want to be a dancer, a dancer, but I've learned as I've gotten older, like that's just been more for me. I hope that there's projects I can do in the future that would involve it. Um, but yeah, that's definitely like a more for me thing. Um, the play, yeah, I'm definitely really trying to branch out with, um, just like acting and comedy. I, I done the standup. I want to get back into the standup. Um, and with the, the play that I did, that was such a unique experience, especially only doing improv for so long. You know, we don't have scripts to memorize. We don't have to worry about where we're standing or blocking or, or like the set or the costume. You know, we just show up and we're like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> like we're playing. Um, but it really was a, a unique experience and I want more of it. Like I remember somebody was like, isn't it like a lot of waiting around? I'm like, yeah, but you know, you're with people that are also doing this with you and you know, it's again, theater people and it's, it's personalities that you're like, yeah, there's a reason why we're all doing this play together. Um, and, and again, just getting to see like reactions of the audience that comes to see you. There was this little girl, uh, she was in one of the audiences and she hated my character. <laughs> she hated my character, which is great. Cause that means I'm doing my job. Right. Right. And she was like thumbing me down and like sticking her tongue out <laughs> at me. And I was playing off of her specifically, like for that whole performance, because I'm like, okay, you got me. I've got you. Like I did not take my <laughs> eyes off of her. And there's a point where my character takes off and the audience goes back to their bikes and I'm coming back around the building and she's still looking at me. So I was like, <laughs> stay in character. Like, I've got you. And she was just, it was it was a great moment. So yeah, I, I'm like loving that and I'm hoping to do more of that. Um, just to continue to branch and, and grow in, in, in what I'm doing. Do you feel like now you finally have given yourself permission to embrace that creative, artistic part of you? 100%. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I was, you know, I found it in my 20s. I was learning it and I was doing it. I was performing. But now that I'm in my 30s, I feel like, okay, what is it that we want? Like, what do we want out of this? You know, what is it that you... You know, I have all these ideas of like shows and and sketch ideas and it's like a matter of getting it from my brain onto paper and then actually doing it Um, and also telling myself like one idea at a time because I will start (laughs) 
10 and it's like, okay, let's do one from start to finish. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that in my thirties I'll be able to like, just, just produce my ideas, bring them to life, bring them to life. I think I've got enough training to at least do that. I'm never going to stop training, but like, okay, we've got six years of improv under our belt. You know, you're teaching, you're directing, you clearly have an idea of what you're doing. You know, you got a little bit and let's run with that and see where, where that can take me as far as just like show ideas and producing. And, and like I say, all these ideas are in my iPhone notes. We're just bringing them to life. You've also joined the directing group here at Just the Funny and done a great job with that. Do you feel like as a director, that's your opportunity to finally get those crazy ideas to happen? To an extent. So sometimes there's things I want to do, but obviously we have like a set list of things that we can do um, as far as games go. But there's there's times where I'm like, you know, I want us to play, like for example, we do cold opens here. There's a couple pieces that are cold opens, but there's times that I want to like create a new one, right? But it's a matter of, of actually, you know, brainstorming and writing it out and, and testing it. And I sometimes feel like we're constantly on, as, as a theater, we're on the go, 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 classes, shows, cast, lineup, rehear- you know, that sometimes it's easy to get lost and that like, oh, we got to keep going, you know, but Michelle, yeah, get that idea. Let's write it out. Let's, let's pitch it and then let's, let's do it. So that's what I'm hoping I will be able to do even more of, especially as a director. <laughs> when you direct a show, what is your goal? For everyone to have a fun time, definitely. Like, obviously the pieces are important and, and all that, but I want everyone to have fun with what they're doing. So I I'm a, I love group pieces. So if there's six, seven, eight of us in the cast, I just love, we're all playing in everything is what I love to do, usually. Um, but to give each other breaks, I'll throw in some duos because I love my duos. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets a little duo. Um, and I, I love to just make sure that everybody's, one happy with the pieces that they're in because I don't I know what it is to play in something that you're like I don't know how to play this or I feel like I'm weak playing in this and you're kind of like a deer in headlights and, and I don't want that um and I want you to feel good with the show that you just had because it's not about me like how they feel will then make me as a director feel good so when they were like that was a fun show or I'm looking forward to the next one that feels good um I, I'm always open to, to feedback as a director, but I mean, so far, knock on wood, <laughs> no one, no one's complained yet. But I'm hoping that as I continue to direct more and more, um, I'll be able to push people, again, in a healthy way. I, I also feel, and I don't know if you've ever felt this. So I remember like leading my first main stage rehearsal for that like a Saturday show. It's very different than when you're teaching. Students. Yes, it is. Because these are people, either one, that have been here longer than I have been here. So it's like, who am I to tell this person, hey, you can work on this, you know, or hey, here's a note. Or it's also a little intimidating to to, to now be like, hey, I'm director. This is what I want to do. It's just such a weird... um, (laughs) It's different. And yeah. How, how does that do you would you agree with that I, I would a thousand percent agree with you it's funny I was I was talking to Mark once and uh, he led rehearsal and it was a great rehearsal and then uh, we did like our, our takeaway circle at the end and at the end of the rehearsal he just he's standing next to me and he just kind of leans over and says 
boy, I hope everyone doesn't realize I'm a fraud. <laughs> so I, I totally get that mentality, and I yeah. feel that way too. I mean, it, it is a different mentality. With yeah. students, they're really hungry for it, and they want more of what you know. Yeah. When it comes to the cast, I'm not saying there there isn't that, but it's more of, you're, you're more of a leader. Yeah. And everything that happens in that show you're the one making all the calls, Mm -hmm. you know? You're the one that's setting the stage, Mm -hmm. if you will. So there is a lot more pressure when it comes to directing a show. I could could totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I haven't had to do that since that last one, but I know it'll come. And I'm sure I'll find a way to maneuver that. But yeah, I remember, like, with the first one, I was like, this is new <laughs> this is interesting i'm not sure that i loved it or i hated it um because again it's like these are my peers like some of these people were my teachers like yeah. you know what i mean so it's such a, a unique position like how do you direct in. your friends exactly you know but but i at the end of the day i think um with all that aside i do care about what is happening on stage and the moments that are up there so that'll usually take over and, and I forget about how weird I felt very much like my nerves before a show. I, I, it, it happens every single time. Does it really? Every single time I get so nervous. I'm like, why do I do this? <laughs> I don't know why I do this. And then it's just like the minute that it's showtime, the minute I'm on stage, that's it. So whoever's with me, they just get to deal with the nerves. And I promise once the show starts, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> When you direct, would you say you're a bit of a perfectionist? Yes. In what way? In every way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, It's definitely something I, I have to, you know, I'm working on because I want everything to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. But I've also, with the art of improv, ironically, I've learned that, hey, not everything's going to be perfect and that's okay. So like, for example... And it's little things, like technical things of like, light light went out, no music, like little things like that, like technical, you know, where I'm like, I want there to be a good flow from start to finish, you know, why, or why was something not cut, or why was something going on too long, or did I miss something, why were we not projecting, why can't, you know, just making sure that everybody is experiencing an amazing show, the cast is experiencing an amazing show, the audience is experiencing that tech is experiencing that by seeing the energy because they can see it all from where they are and and just making sure that it's all going great from start to finish so um i have to let go when i want things to be perfect because that's never going to really happen and as long as i make sure that everybody feels safe everybody feels respected everybody feels supported i just have to hope and pray from there that we we all know what we're doing we all know what we're doing we know how we're playing we know each other at this point, we trust each other, you know, like, yeah. that's all I can really ask yeah. for, because it's not going to just be on me. Yeah. I know when I direct, I'm definitely a perfectionist. And, you know, I actually don't see anything wrong with being a perfectionist, in my opinion. I think it's only a bad thing if it causes you to be a jerk to everybody else. Yeah. You know, um, me, I like to think about everything. I mean, I'm a firm believer that... The show doesn't begin when the lights go down and the mm-hmm. music starts. For me, the show begins the moment the audience walks into the venue. Yes. So I'm thinking about every single thing, mm-hmm. every single thing that the audience sees, hears, smells, touches. But then there is still that balance that you have to have because yeah. you do have to have a point where you're like, okay, well, that didn't work exactly the way it's going to go, but it's still a damn good show. 
Yes. Yeah, I can, um, I can be a little hard on myself, which is why I, I think maybe I'm like hoping I'm not hard on like other people when it Mm. comes to, which is why like the whole notes thing for me is very, I have like a, a love hate relationship with that aspect of the show because if I'm gonna go in on notes, I don't want it to, you know, it's all through email and, and text, so it's like I don't want it to sound a certain way. But I also don't want to get lost in the sauce of like, well, what was wrong with the show? Right. You know, because there are amazing things with yeah, the show. It could be very easy to fall into that. It too. could be very easy to fall into that. Or the quite the opposite, where you're just constantly like, that was great, that was great, that was great, and not seeing the things that, hey, this could have used some improvement, or hey, let's try this next time, or hey, you were a little uh, negative in all your characters today, you know, like, so yeah, I think um, it's, a, and maybe directing and being in the show is... Is a, is, I think is a different talent because like I have yet to direct and not be in the show because I'm like I want to play I want to be in the show right but you are my I'm tr- you, I think you're extra mindful of how how has every piece been you know do we have a variety of pieces are we are we using all the tools that we know that we should be using are we all playing to our to our best that I know everybody on this cast can play well, we've come to the final question, Michelle. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> What's the one piece of advice that has served you well that you'd want everyone else to hear? One piece of advice that has served me well. Hmm. Be you. Just be you. Just be you and trust yourself. Trust the things that you've learned. Trust the people that have taught you that want you to succeed, that want you to be great. And I'm saying more specifically, like, with this whole journey I've been on with with the theater. Um, And be yourself. And what what I can bring to the scene is not the same thing that another person can bring to the scene. And what someone else can bring to the scene may not be what I can bring to the scene. And that's okay. Like, learning to be okay with that. And learning to just trust the moment, be in the moment, which is something that I think we all struggle with, and being okay with whatever happened in the moment. And, like, it'll be better next time. So, I don't know if that answers your question entirely, but... I think it's a great answer. Um, yeah. Yeah, I always let everyone interpret that question however they want, but I think that's a very true answer, and it's a great answer to give. So, thank you for that, and Michelle... I can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you again for having me. This was so fun. I'm very proud of everything that you've accomplished, and I see nothing but greatness for you in the days and years to come, my friend. Oh, thank you, LD. I wish the same for you, by the way. This is amazing what you're doing, and I'm proud of you. I'm like, I'm so happy I get to be on this journey with you, and that you've been a, a teacher and 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 a director and a friend to me. So this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, Michelle Castro, for joining me today. And thanks for reminding us all that it's important to be you. Who you are is incredibly special. And that's all you need to be. If you've never seen Michelle before, be sure to look her up. She performs regularly at Just the Funny and all over Miami and elsewhere. And you can also find her on Instagram at her account, It's Michelle Castro. You will be delighted by her performance 
and what she brings to the stage. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode, my friends. Do me a favor and be sure to like and review. It will help the podcast, it will help me, and maybe it will even help you. Who knows? Anyway, thank you for spending time with me once again today, and I hope to see you here again on Improv and Magic. Bye now. <laughs>